Never mind, I'm on. Mike's hot. Never mind. All right, C12, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, do y'all just, um, I think, I think, uh, I think we broke through, yes? I think we broke through. Um, I am so glad you're here, and I know that some of you, it's your first time, and so I just want you to know that, what's happening? Where's Richard? That's fine, Richard, I'll do your job. It's no big deal. That's <laughs> fine. No, no. Got it? Okay. Um, I'd like to ask you a question, and this is not a rhetorical question. This is a question that you are, I would love for you to just answer and out loud, and I'm just going to kind of make a list of our answers up here on the board. We've done this kind of thing before. You guys are very good at this. Please try and stay on topic. Are you ready? And appropriate. Rated G. Now... How might you complete that sentence? I pray. Let me give you a couple of examples so that you know how, uh, or you kind of know the direction I want you to head. Um, For example, this week I might say, I pray a lot. Um, I might say, uh, I um, pray um, excitedly, or I pray in despair, or I pray when I have to, or I pray at church, all kinds of things, any manner of things. But I just want you to think about how you would complete that sentence, and I want you just to shout out your answers. Like, when you, if you had to complete it, what would you say? Okay. Desperately? Passionately? Anywhere? Hmm? Consistently. Okay. So when you go to bed, his will. Hmm? Okay. Ladies first. Specifically. Oh, who was that? Okay. Specifically with care. Is this all true? Does anyone find it difficult to pray sometimes? What does it look like then? Hesitantly? Oh, now we're getting to everybody's like, oh, yeah, I know this one. Oh, yes, I know this one. So keep going. What, when it gets hard, what is it? Selfishly. Half-heartedly. See what I did there? All right. Sparingly. That's hmm. a chore. Tired. Yeah, sometimes like, it's just like, I don't, right? I don't. Prayer's an interesting thing. It's something that when we come to church, it makes sense that we would talk about it, that there would be a message on it, that we would do a lot of it. It it would make sense that even when we hear someone else pray and we think they're praying so eloquently that we would would, um, even clap and that we would acknowledge it and all kinds of things. Prayer is this thing that we know intellectually is to be an important component of our walk of faith and our walk with Jesus. But whenever I have conversations with people, and I know from my own journey, prayer is not easy, I don't think. Yet, it's supposed to be fully easy. In fact, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Conversation with the Lord, the interaction with the Lord should not feel burdensome. And yet, prayer is something that seems to elude us. And yet, prayer has to be the foundation of everything. 
If prayer is not the foundation of everything, your life, of this church, of every single thing that we do, you're limited by your own power. And we all have limited power. It doesn't really matter how gifted we are or how talented we are or even what, you know, what God has called us to do. It, none of that really matters if it's not bathed in prayer. I have gifts and abilities, but if, it's, if I'm only left to myself without accessing the power of God through prayer, it's just whatever my best is, that's how far we're getting. And I want more in this life, y'all. I, I want more in this life. I want to see the impossible me made possible. I want to see the stuff I read about in the Bible happen today. I want to see the greater things Jesus talked about today. You know, no matter who I ask, most people in response to, hey, how's your prayer life? Uh, most people go, oh, you know what? Well, it should be better. That's generally the response. I've never actually had anyone say to me, it, it could not be better. My prayer life is bigger and more and deeper than it's ever been. I'm not sure it could even improve. Most people go, well, I should pray more. Or I wish it was better. Um, I know I should. And most people, I think if we got really gut level honest, like, I mean, so honest. With ourselves, because I don't know that we would ever say it out loud too much. But I think we wonder what the point is. Like, I really think we wonder we should, but why? Like, does it really do anything? If, isn't God really just going to do whatever he wants anyway? And if God's going to do whatever he wants anyway, then what is the point of me talking to him about it? If he's the creator of the universe and if he's in charge of all of things, then, then why on earth would I approach him with anything if ultimately I don't really get a say in the decision? which are, I think, valid thoughts and valid questions. You know, prayer can sometimes be, as, as you guys stated, and, and so accurately, an act of obedient obligation. It's something we should do. It's also something that we say to people when we don't want to actually do anything to help them. We'll go, you know, and I'll pray for you. And then we just don't. And then we just don't. Or sometimes prayers like this Hail Mary pass, right? You've done everything you know to do. You've tried everything you know to try. And you sort of throw it out there like, Lord, I'm going to throw this out there, Lord, and I'm hoping you do something with it. It's all I got left. It can become trite, rehearsed. Someone can tell you they're praying for you, and you kind of think, well, great, but could you just do something, actually? Could you actually do something more helpful? than that, but thanks, but thanks for praying. We just don't understand what prayer is. If we understood what prayer really was, we wouldn't be so stunned when it worked. We just wouldn't be so surprised. It would be a few years ago now, um, actually, Specifically, 2015. 2015, and in, in my time with the Lord, in my devotional life, I was doing, it's kind of a weird study, and I want to say it, and you're going to go, what, that's weird? It is. It just is. But does that surprise us? No. So I just started to have a lot of questions about the fact that there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. And numbers all throughout scripture are repeated and symbolic, like numbers like 40 and numbers like 7, the number of perfection. And they were, all, you know, fasted for 40 days and, you know, rose from the dead in three days. All of these different numbers that were very specifically mentioned. And so I started doing a study of what the symbolic meaning of different numbers in scripture were. And in 2015, I thought it was 2015, you know, I'm going to study the number five. You guys think like how you study scripture is some big, great strategic plan. It's really not. And I, I was like, I'm going to study the number five. And here's what I learned about the number five in all of my study. Whenever you see the number five in scripture or a multiple of five, like a feeding of the 5,000 
or five loaves and two fish. Anytime you see the number five, it is symbolic of God's favor and his grace and his goodness. So that's how five loaves could feed 5,000 because God's favor breathes on it and boom, right? That's the number five. When you see it in scripture, it's not magical. It's not superstitious. It's just symbolic. Now, here's why I tell you that. Same year, 2005. And I am um, at the church that I was leading in Wisconsin. And the service gets done. And there's this young woman that's making her way up front. And she sits on the front row after the service is entirely done. And I see her. I recognize her, but I don't really know her very well. And then two or three other people kind of gather around her. And they're listening to her. And then I see them turn to me like they're kind of waiting on me that they want to talk to me. So I come off the stage, and I move toward them in the front row. And I say, hey, you know, what's going on? And they say, well, we would love for you to pray for Charlene was her name. I said, okay, I can pray for Charlene. Why don't, you, why don't you tell me what we're praying for? And Charlene begins to sob and to cry. And Charlene's probably in her late 20s. She's married. And she says to me, Heather, um, <clears throat> I'm currently pregnant, and this is my fifth pregnancy, and... I've had four miscarriages before this. I've lost four babies. And right now, this morning, as I'm in the service, I'm beginning to have some of the same symptoms. The things that start to occur to a woman's body when they know a miscarriage is about to take place. So she's come forward and she's desperate, right? And I... You know when you're sitting across from someone and you can tell they're in such pain, your own chest hurts, right? And you just, you want to be able to do something. You want to be able to fix it. And you just, you don't know how. And I go, well, you know, I'm thinking, well, I can, I can pray for her, right? I, mean, I can't fix it, but I can pray for her. And so I, uh, I squatted down because she was sitting. And I put my hands on her knees so that we could look kind of eyeball to eyeball. And I said, okay, Charlene, let's, um, I said, you know what, ladies, there were a couple of ladies, I said, why don't you lead out, and then I'll, I'll just close this in prayer. You know, very, the pastoral, this is what we say, right? You know, I'll just lead out, and, you know, I'm going to close us, and we're going to wrap this up, and we'll have prayed. So we start to pray, and my eyes are closed, and I'm telling you, <laughs> I hear the Lord whisper to me, what does five mean? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> what? No. Mm-mm. Heather, I, I prompted you to study at number five. What does it mean? Okay. All right, Lord, I'll pray for that. I'll pray for your goodness, your grace, and your favor on this woman. I'm going to pray that. So I start, and I'm praying, Lord, Charlene, I just, you know, over Charlene, I just pray for your goodness and your grace and your favor. Lord, I pray that you would be good to Charlene. I pray that you would be, um, I pray that you would breathe on this pregnancy and you, and, and you would, in your goodness, you would bring it to completion. And as I'm praying, God says, tell her the baby's going to be fine. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no, no. Nope. I will not. I'll pray for her, Lord, but I'm not about to listen to you and pray. Like, I'm not about to do, if, what? What if I tell her that? And then, like, if I tell her that and then something happens with the baby and she's already having symptoms, what is that going to do to her belief in you? Do you really want me to harm, you know, her belief in you? I don't think you want me to do that. And I started to get this just nauseousness in my gut, like, just this, like, so I'm sweating. I'm like, and you know, it's this thing you learn. Like the more you listen to the Lord, you learn what this feels like. And I know it's him. I know it's him. He's like, tell her. Tell her. So I'm like, <clears throat> um, Charlene, God has a word for you. 
he would like me to tell you that you're going to have this baby. This baby is going to be birthed and be healthy. Whatever is going on with your body right now, he is taken care of. And I told her, the, I said the number five means God's grace, goodness, and favor. And I'm thinking, this chick thinks I am crazy. I go, in scripture, that's what it means. This is your fifth pregnancy, and I believe that God wants to prove this. And, you know, and she's so kind, you know. She's like, oh, okay, thank you, you know, thank you, thank you. Several months pass. <clears throat> And at the end of another service, here comes Charlene at the end of, at the end, walking down uh, the middle aisle with a stroller. And this baby. This baby. You know, we were talking about hearing God's voice and... We're going to be talking about now prayer, and I'm telling you, when the two are combined, it will change your life more than anything you've ever experienced. That day marked me. I mean, it, it marked me. I've never been the same. I've prayed with more boldness and belief ever since that day. I've listened more closely since that day. And men and women... You are also invited by God to participate in powerful movements of God. It's not just me that's invited or a pastor that's invited. Literally, all of you, God is extending an invitation to be a partner and to be involved in powerful movements of him. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides within you. So the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, but we have too many unbelieving believers. I don't understand everything about prayer. I do not. I don't know. I have a lot of questions I'd like to discuss at the end of all of this thing with the Lord. What I do know about prayer is that it works. That's what I know. I've told you before that I played fast pitch softball in high school, right? Yes, I know you're like, well, that's a turn. It is. It'll be fine. I played fast pitch softball in high school and was accidentally very good at it. Um, I, hadn't, I don't know how that happened. It just happened. I didn't know that that would happen, but it did. And um, when we would be... Getting ready to go out on the field, you know, if you play ball or things like that, you know you're getting ready to go out on the field, you know, um, and before you run out to your position, what do you grab? Your glove, right? You grab your glove. Uh, you never run out on the field without your glove. Why would you? You would be rendered um, just pointless. And I played third base. I either played third base or I pitched. And when I would play third base and I would take my glove out, if I had not taken my glove out and I tried to play third base, how well would I have played? And why would I have not played well? Because without my glove, how do I feel? Afraid, right? Without my glove, I feel afraid. Without my glove, a ball comes toward me and I go, hey, right? Why don't you go on through? Right? A ball goes above my head, I, I see it, and it's like a line drive, and I go, oh, you know what? That's great. Hey, you'll get it. They'll get it. She'll get it. Like, I'm, what am I going to do? I mean, I could catch it, but I'm going to break some fingers. I mean, if I don't have my glove, I'm, I'm fearful. If I don't have my glove, I don't get to make the plays that I could make. My glove sits on the bench, and when it sits there, it's, it's, it itself is useless. Me without my glove is fairly useless, but me with my hand in the glove is incredibly powerful. My hand in the glove allows me to make powerful plays, and it also protects my hand. It protects my body. It protects my health. 
it allows me to execute things that take an entire team to a win. The hand moves the glove, the glove protects the hand. Prayer is like putting your hand in the glove. Prayer moves God's power. My hand moves the glove. And when prayer moves God's power, that's when you get to effectively execute the plays that he's called you to. That's when you get to effectively lead your team to a win. That's when you get to do it. The the glove itself sits there and has all the potential in the world. So much potential in that glove. And so much potential in me. But I am powerless without it. I am rendered handicapped without it. I am left to whatever my body can handle. And after a while, it's just going to take me out. It's your hand in the glove. Prayer is a spiritual sword, if you will. It's like wielding a sword. And if we could actually get our minds around it, if we could actually approach it with this belief, even if it's a choice to believe, that it's like putting my hand in the glove, going out on the field, and I don't know what's going to come to me. I don't know even whether I'm going to execute the play very well. And I'm probably going to make some errors. It's likely, probable, but what I do know is that I'm going to be protected the entire time. What I do know is that it's not going to take me out. It's not about securing control of the play. It's about showing up to the play. Prayer isn't about securing control of God's power. It's about showing up. It's about getting on the field. So I want to take you to a passage in scripture today. I want to take you to the book of Exodus. And we'll go to chapter 17 because I'm not sure you can ever talk about prayer and not talk about this passage. But let me give you some context. This passage comes about 400 years after the Israelites have been in captivity and they've been slaves. 400 years afterward. And now they're free. Moses has led them out. They've been delivered. And he's leading them to the promised land. They've crossed the Jordan River. We've talked about that before. This big miracle, the Jordan River parts, they go across. And here they are in the promised land. But once they get over to the promised land, it doesn't just get hand delivered to them. Because now they're over in the promised land. And there's Jericho. And there are all of these enemies that don't want to give them the land. And they don't care that God promised it. All these enemies that say, we don't care if your God said that this is your land. We've been in this land and this is our land and you're going to have to fight us in order to get it. And so a group of people called the Amalekites come and attack the Israelites in order to keep the Israelites from taking their land. So Exodus chapter 15, this is where we go. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Moses says, Joshua, you go fight. I'm going to go pray. You fight, I'll pray. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Verse 11. As long as Moses held up his hands. As long as Moses did what? Held up his hands. Hold up your hands, both of them, real high. Like you're, like you're surrendering, right? Moses is doing this. He's praying. All right, you put it down. As long as Moses held up his hands just like that, the Israelites were what? Winning. They were winning the battle. But whenever he lowered his hands, the, the Amalekites were winning. His hands are up. Israelites are winning. Hands go down. Then the Israelites were being defeated. Hands up, win, hands down, lose. And he's not even on the field. No sword in his hand. Joshua's down there. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. And make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, 
the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So because the Amalekites lifted their hands against the Israelites, um, we will forever and always be at war with them and God will, and God will eventually take them out. See, in any battle, it's important to know the enemy that, that you fight. When I was praying for that woman, it wasn't infertility of the woman that we were fighting. When you're going to God in prayer, when your hands are up in prayer, it's not, you're not in, at a, in a battle for your job or for a friend or for, uh, it's not about the sickness. The disease itself isn't your enemy. Those things are not your enemy. We're in a spiritual battle against a supernatural enemy. That is why when Moses' hands were up in prayer, they could win. When, they, when he quit, they would lose because it wasn't about the blood being shed on the field. It was about the prayer going up on the mountain. And we get lost, lost in everything that's happening around our own personal battlefield. We think that we just have to fight harder, do more, strive more, be more. And that if the battle gets lost, it's because we weren't good enough, we weren't gifted enough, we weren't talented enough, we didn't do enough. And I think that so often the Lord is like, it has nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with whether you're ever on your knees, with, with, with whatever you're bringing me. If you're ever doing battle in the supernatural realm, if you're ever talking to me about it, if you're ever surrendering to me about it, if you're ever talking to me about it, if you're ever releasing yourself from control of that and releasing control to me. Prayer is a spiritual sort. So when I rewrote this message today at noon because this was not the message for the week there's just one thing I want you to remember tonight if you remember nothing else it's this it's just hands up it's just hands up that's it when I read stories in the Bible I like to put myself into the story I like to imagine being Moses just try for a minute Imagine being Moses. I'm not really sure he knew what was happening at first. I think he just knew his arms were tired. I think his arms went up. He saw them winning. And so he thought, my prayers have worked, right? When you pray for something and you begin to see it change, we go, great, great, things are working. But then an obstacle comes and we actually doubt the progress from before, but it's the fact that we stopped praying. I wonder if Moses was just so shocked when he was like this, winning, he went like this, they started losing. I wish I could get inside of his head and go, how did you know to put your hands back up? How did you know that that's what you should do? How did, I mean, if it were me, I would have been like, Joshua, you suck, dude. You suck. Like, why? we were, look what, like, I would have blamed it. I would have done something. I don't know that I would have thought, oh, I got to put my hands back up. But when he saw the reality of the power of that action, his hands up, the battle changed directions entirely to the point that when he could no longer physically do it, his friends held his hands up for him. Do y'all have friends like that? If you don't, you need some. You know, that's a word. Some of y'all need new friends. You really, you really, really do. That's a word for somebody in this room. You might need some new friends. You need friends that will hold your hands up. Friends that when you're tired and you don't believe anymore and you don't have any more hope and, and you, you just can't do it anymore and you've prayed all you can pray and you're at the end of your words and you're at the end of your striving, you need friends that you can go, you know what? I need to borrow your hope. I need to borrow your strength. I need to borrow your confidence. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray with me because I got nothing left. Because I got nothing left. I wonder if Moses would say to us today, you're going to have battles you can't control. You're going to need to know that God is near and you're going to need to pray. I wonder if I was Joshua. I wonder if Joshua thought, yes, I'm amazing. I'm amazing. Like, these Israelites, like, they're not warriors yet. They're not big fighters. I mean, they've been wandering in the desert forever. Like, they don't know what to do. And look, look at my leadership. I led these people to this defeat. I'll bet he ran back to Moses and went, Moses, did you see it? We won. Did you catch the game, right? And Moses, I think, would say, well, you know what, Joshua, you did fight hard. I did see that. But see, I had a view that was higher up. 
I had a view that was at a higher elevation than you. And from my view, I know you worked hard, but the strength of this battle was not in your sword. The strength of this battle was me on my knees with my hands up. The win of this battle was God's and God's alone. God won this battle. He won this battle. Hands up. And so I think that's where we are in this story. I think we don't pray because we get it under control. Things are looking good. And we get tired or we stop when things don't start looking good. One of the many things you can see in this passage is that Moses teaches us that prayer requires persistence. Persistence. My mother has done some traveling and speaking, and she's often been asked to speak about her experience as a parent of me. And you've heard a bunch of my story, but one of the things that my mother says is that when she could no longer win the battle with me, the biggest battles she ever fought and won were done on her knees for me. And that she would begin to pray things, and she would even have times of fasting and praying that I never knew about. And the things that she would fast and pray over, she would begin to see come forth in my life. And I had no idea. In fact, I never knew she did that until I was much late. I was an adult. It was much, much later. The power of this world exists in the supernatural. It's the natural in the glove. It's the hand in the glove. I'm going to skip a couple. I'm going to skip to the end because I'd like us to do something tonight. You know, the other day I was praying with my kids and I was annoyed by their prayers. I was like, those are so shallow. Where's the depth of their prayer? Am I failing as a parent? Why do they keep praying that tomorrow's a fun day? Don't understand. Don't understand. Like, oh my goodness. You know, I'm like Debbie Downer. I'm like, Judah, what if tomorrow's not fun? Why wouldn't it be fun? Well, I don't know. It's just, you know, I was just deeply annoyed by it. I was frustrated with their lack of excitement about prayer. Jeff and I would say, hey, kids, come on in the living room. We're going to pray together. And they would go, I don't want to, you know. And a mentor of mine once shared with me a similar thought about their children. And they said they came to the the realization um, that my level of belief and hope and excitement about prayer is what it is because I've lived... I have enough life under me to see what happens through prayer. They don't yet know. They don't know yet. And that their lack of desperate prayers right now are a result of my prayers for them. I pray for my kids. And I pray for their lives. And there are things that my kids do not have to endure, I believe, because of Jeff and I's prayers for them. So when I get upset that they're not praying all of this, like crying out to God, what I should be doing is thanking God in heaven for hearing my prayers. I've seen prayers play out in ways that are absolutely stunning to me. And I asked I'm going to close with the story, and then, I, and then I'm going to move us into a time of prayer. I asked if I could get permission um, to share this story. It happened in the life of our church this week. we got a couple people in here that know the story I'm going to share. Like um, Some of our staff are in here, and we had this thing happen in the life of our church that took me from believing in prayer to just completely abandon to it. And sold out to it. The, something happened this week in the life of Twelve Stone that 
I'm still processing and I don't reveal to me maybe my own lack of belief. So those of you that are here on the weekend, you heard our pastor uh, Kevin Myers invite people to come back to Central on Sunday night to be prayed for at 6 o'clock. Those of you there, do you remember that? He extended an invitation, really, to all. We have eight campuses. If you're new here and you don't know that we're a church, we're one church, but we have eight locations. And he's streamed and simulcast to those eight locations that if anyone would like to be prayed over for something in their life they didn't quite feel like they could conquer or they felt like was conquering them, they could come to Central Campus at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. There wasn't going to be worship. There wasn't going to be teaching, nothing like that. It was going to be straight up being prayed for. And then a few of us staff were there to help. And having no idea what, how many people were going to show up or what was going to happen or how it was going to, we just no idea. Well, it turns out hundreds and hundreds of people showed up. So there were people being prayed for from 6 o'clock p.m. until 4 a.m. I was trying to think of anything that I would stand in line for for 10 hours. Anyone? Maybe Jesus. Like, if you tell me Jesus will be there, I will do that. But if I walk in and he's not there at 6, I don't believe it and I'm out. (laughs) Right? 10 hours people are standing in line. Well... Um, one thing that PK had told a few of us that were going to be praying that night, he sort of delivered a portion of a story. He said, hey, guys, I want you to know that last week God gave me a vision. Y'all remember a few weeks ago when we talked about seers and knowers and feelers and those kinds of things? So think seer. So God had given PK a vision of someone that he knows that is a part of our church. And he, um, her God or saw God give him this impression that he should have a baptism set up at this prayer time, and if this person showed up, he was to baptize them. So he tells us this, and I think, oh, he must have had a vision that someone was going to get saved at this prayer time, and then we would baptize them, because that's what makes sense in my little mind. So about midway through the prayer evening, Uh, A woman walks in that all of us know really, really well. Her name is Sharon Epps. She is our creative director, Jeremy's mother. If you know who Jeremy Epps is, but he's on staff here, and it's, um, it's his family. And Sharon had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and it was at the end of a story of breast cancer where all the lymph nodes um, are full of cancer. And she's got a chemo port, like, surgically attached to her body. And she stumbles when she walks, and hair is falling out, and she looks like a woman that is dying. Not a lot of hope in it. Well, she comes in, there's a little bit of a commotion going on, and people start to gather around her, and we're all still praying for people, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people in line, but... Uh, all of a sudden, like, people are rushing out, and I see one of the staff members go rush out and bring in uh, packing tape. And they begin to take packing tape and cover her port. Like, she's got packing tape, like, all over her. Then they send her out with a baptism bag. And I'm thinking to myself, Sharon's saved. I'm pretty sure she's baptized. I mean, pretty sure. This is life. Like, why, why would Sharon be getting baptized? I feel like, you know. She goes, she changes, and her husband's bringing her back. She's not walking very well, bringing her back. And Kevin tells us the rest of the vision. The rest of the vision is that if Sharon Epps showed up at that prayer night, that he was to baptize her seven times like they did a man named Naaman in Scripture. Jesus baptized a man named Naaman seven times in the water, and Naaman was healed of his disease. Does that sound crazy? Doesn't it, y'all, does it sound crazy? Like if you get baptized and I go, we're going to need to do it seven times with you, right? One, two, three, right? I think you'd be like, all right, I'm going to go with it, right? Just, mm. I mean, so they lead her, they get her, they put her in the tub, and, and we're all like, what is that? 
what is happening, right? And Kevin's telling us that God gave him a vision that if Sharon showed up, he was to baptize her seven times and she would be healed. So he gathers us all around and we're all going to pray, right? For Sharon. And we're doing the, oh, because we're Christians and we are big believers. We're like, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. We pray with, I mean, we're like interceding. We are praying. And with our whole hearts, we, I mean, desperately want to see this woman healed and whole. Absolutely. Then it's over. You know, she's been baptized sometimes. She gets out and they leave and we go about praying for other people. We don't know. We don't know what happens. Then yesterday, Kevin calls whatever staff was available here at Central Campus into a room. And Jeremy's in there and Jeremy's all emotional and something's clearly happened. I'm thinking, oh no, like if she passed away, I don't know, I don't know. But see, if we believed in prayer, we wouldn't be so stunned by the news that they delivered. Which was that when Sharon went for her scan yesterday, that day, a scan that had been taken three weeks prior... Three weeks ago, when they went to review the scan with the doctor on that day, there was not a single trace of cancer. Y'all. Do you know what you just did? You just gave a golf clap. That's what you just did. Yes. Come on. Come on. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. That wasn't God's answer to all of us. I've lost people to cancer. My mom has fourth stage lung cancer. And at this point, God has chosen not to heal her. I know there's a million questions. Why God does, why God doesn't. All I know is that he does. All I know is that if I don't put my hand in the glove, the glove is useless and I'm pointless. All I know is that if I don't take these things to the Lord, I'm limited to my own capacity. I don't have access to his power and I believe he offers it. It's what God does in a woman's physical body. But I know, but I know that there are so many other things inside of our souls and our spirits and our body that we want to bring to the Lord. There's spiritual brokenness. There's emotional brokenness. There's physical brokenness. There's unbelief. There's doubt. There's old wounds that have defined you. There are all kinds of things. And there are things that you've probably prayed over time and time and time again And if you hear nothing else tonight, hear this. I just want to say to you, keep your hands up. And then what I want to say to you that we're going to do tonight is for those of you that can't keep your hands up, I think we'd like to hold your hands up for you tonight. I think we'd like to offer that to you tonight. So I'm going to invite the band up. I was going to use that. I didn't get to it. Because I just would love for us to take this time, the remainder of our time together. And for those of you that need your hands held up, allow us to do that. So would you stand with me? Would you do that? I'm gonna, they're gonna pray, they're gonna play a song and we're gonna, we're gonna sing together. I'm gonna have some of those volunteers I talked to earlier, if you wouldn't mind. Would you guys just kind of come up to the front? I'm gonna come, I'm gonna be down here too as well. Just kind of come up. Some of our leaders, some of our volunteers. Charity, if you don't mind, would you come do that? Even if I have anybody else in the room, if you're a staff member, if you're a leader, if you're just somebody that has a heart um, for prayer and holding the arms up of someone, I would just invite you to come as well. And as we sing together tonight,
If you would like prayer for something, if you would like someone to pray over you or someone that you love, someone that you know, some kind of battle, you're out on the battlefield and it would just do you a lot of good to know that someone was out on the mountain waging supernatural war on your behalf, I would invite you. It can be small. It can be big. You don't even have to say what it is if you don't want. If you don't want to, you don't have to explain anything. Or you can. Entirely up to you. You know, I'm going to send a few of you in the back. That way we could, like, divide that up. So you can come forward. You can go to the back to some people and pray. And we're going to spend a few minutes in this space. And so I would just invite you to do that. Please don't leave here and wish that you had. That's what's going to happen with some of you. You're going to know you should, and you're going to not, and then you're going to drive away with deep regret. And you're going to wonder what could have what peace could have been imparted to you. You're going to wonder. You're going to wonder. So I'm going to pray to begin us, and then you're just welcome to come and pray. You're also welcome if you don't come and pray, if you just want to, like, make another space in the room for yourself. If you want to kneel at your seat, if you want to sit in your seat, if you want to stand, if you want to put your hands up, if you see someone that you know and love coming for prayer and you want to come with them and just be with them, put your hand on their shoulder, just let them know that you're going to walk with them. If you see someone that's next to you and you think they want to because you're feeling it and you're sensing it, it might be your prompt that says, if you want to go, I I will go with you. It might very well be that. Some of you that are offering prayer, some of you are going to go, I'm out. I need prayer. And you're going to go to someone and say, I need you to pray for me. And I want you to feel the freedom to do that. I don't want you to feel like you can't. Um, I just want us all to step, to step into this moment. Heavenly Father, I pray this would be a marking and holy moment. Lord, you're doing something in our church, and I don't know that I, I know I don't understand it. I do not understand it. But what I know is that the God of the Bible is, you're the same God today. And what I know is that you said you came to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives. What I know is that you said you wanted to turn ashes into beauty, and you wanted to restore a garment of praise, and you wanted to turn mourning into dancing. That's what I know. I know that's what you said you came to do. And so, Jesus, I pray that even tonight that we would experience freedom that there would be chains that would be broken, Jesus, that there would be peace that would be renewed, that there would be salvation in this place, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would use all of this. I pray that nobody in this room, whether leader, staff, attender, visitor, volunteer, that none of us at any point would find ourselves above the need to have someone hold our arms up, that we would enter this space with humility and, and, with, and, and borrowing whatever we need to from someone else. And it is for your glory we do this. And as we sing, you just all come, people literally all around the room that will offer to pray for you.
whatever space you're in a sanctuary with the Lord and just spend some time with them. Like literally use this time to just spend time with him. 
out of the chaos and the busyness of life and all of the things that you would just take some time. And that if you need prayer, that you would um, just feel free to come to any volunteer. Again, there's people in the back. We've got some pastors around here too that would love to, love to pray with you. Um, absolutely. Do not leave here and regret that. Do not leave here and wish that you had on behalf of yourself or on behalf of someone else. Prayer moves God's power. So we're going to continue in worship. We're going to move into, you know, let's, let's do um, Greater You, Lord. Can you do that? Um, because I'd like to take where we're at and I would like to take it and move it and move our eyes upward. I'd like to move it um, to the fact that God is good and God is great. No matter, no matter how circumstances turn out, no matter what happens, God is great. He healed Sharon Epps. God is still great if he hadn't. Like God is great. God is, he is a good God and it is him that we trust. And we put our hands up and in surrender, it's not trying to control the hands of God. It's surrendering to the hand of God. And you'll find that it changes you more than it changes anything else. Let's sing together. Our hearts will cry these 
song of praise tonight to him what's on your heart what's on your mind make this song personal we're just gonna vamp these chords and whatever's on your heart pray it out sing it out just offer out loud some praise to the Lord. Would you just tell him? Would you just tell him he's good? All of you, just tell him. Tell him he's good. Tell him he's good. Um, I'm going to dismiss this in a moment, but that doesn't mean you have to go. I'm going to go ahead and just have the band just kind of be up here and, you know, playing and the, and the volunteers will be up here praying. And if you need prayer, please stay, please make yourself, um, please make your way up here. Don't leave without it. All right. We'd love to see you next week. If you're new with us, uh, be sure that you connect with us out there at the hub. We would love to talk with you, love to connect with you. I'm just going to offer a blessing to you as we leave and go from here to there. So whatever posture of openness you want to take, I would encourage you to take it. And now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. According to his power, at work within us to his power at work within us to his what power at work within us to him be glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and God's people together said, Amen. I'll see you next week, C12.